Welcome to the Wellness for Black Girls podcast, a bi-weekly podcast that aims to help Black women navigate their holistic health journeys and find calm by sharing empowering mind-body tips and practices from the eight dimensions of wellness. I'm your host, Tarion Yael, a certified health educator and clinical lab scientist. For more information, please visit wellnessforblackgirls.com. While I hope you enjoy listening to and learning from the podcast, please remember that it is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed healthcare provider. Now let's get into this episode. Thanks for tuning in to episode 10 of the Wellness for Black Girls podcast. I want to start things out by sharing with you that I recently created a free easing anxiety quick guide. In the guide, you'll find four techniques designed to help you feel grounded and centered during moments of stress. So please be sure to check out the show notes for a link to sign up to receive that freebie. Today, we have an interview with our very first guest on the show, Mr. Tyrone Beverly. He's the founder and executive director of I'm Unique, a nonprofit organization based out of Denver, Colorado, that's dedicated to uniting the community and fostering healthy lifestyles within those communities. But beyond being the founder and executive director of I'm Unique, Tyrone is a thought-provoking yoga instructor, filmmaker, and creator of The Poetic Flow. He's known for dismantling barriers by providing access to yoga and wellness opportunities that initiate social change. Beverly is the winner of the 2019 Martin Luther King Commission Award, the 2016 Yoga Journal's Good Karma Award, and is a legacy Lululemon ambassador. He's been featured on CNN Indonesia, New York Times, and numerous publications for his work in social justice and health and wellness. His practice has led him to co-facilitate with New York Times bestselling author David Brooks and Yo-Yo Ma for Yo-Yo Ma's Day of Action Tour. Mr. Beverly is an inspirational change agent for creating a culture of health, individual growth, and social change. His extreme passion for equity, human rights, unity, and physical and social health has kickstarted a wellness movement that unites communities and fosters healthy lifestyles across the nation. Both internationally and nationally known, Tyrone has touched global communities across the world and has created systematic change to improve the lives of others. His efforts supersede stereotypes and create avenues that permeate social and cultural barriers from a health perspective. Thus, Beverly's life work epitomizes his vision of a future with more problem solvers and solution-based thinkers that are equipped to deal with the historical and systematic challenges we face as a society. He reminds us that we have the power to improve our lives and contribute to positive change. 
So Tyrone is a multi-hyphenate. But in addition to all these things, he's married to my best friend, which basically makes him family. He's like a brother to me. My best friend, Dr. Lashika Young-Beverly, is amazing in her own right. So of course, Tyrone is amazing in his own right as well. I invited Tyrone to be our first guest on the show because I feel that the mission of I'm Unique, which is to create a culture of health, individual growth, and social change aligns with the mission of the Wellness for Black Girls community. During the interview, we discussed Tyrone's upbringing and how it led him to begin his mind-body journey and the creation of I'm Unique. We'll also get a chance to hear Tyrone recite and break down the poetic flow and hear about the upcoming What Happens Next online event. So I'm excited for you all to hear about Tyrone and the I'm Unique community and all of the great work they're doing. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So glad to welcome you. Tyrone, I invited you on the show because on this podcast, Wellness for Black Girls, we talk about various aspects of holistic health and wellness. And we like to touch on various topics from environmental wellness, financial wellness, social, intellectual, and all of those things. So I feel that the vision for I'm Unique to create a culture of health and individual growth and social change will really resonate with the Wellness for Black Girls community. So thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's so critically important right now to have a voice to address everything that you're addressing on this podcast. I think it's so important to be able to have a platform, to have these conversations, to learn from individuals who are walking that journey with you so we can learn and help each other rise. Day by day. Thank you so much for that. I definitely believe we can learn from each other. I know you're a veteran in the health and wellness game, so I know that we will learn a lot from you on our discussion today. So let's jump right into our questions. Some of Wellness for Black Girls community may already be familiar with your work. For those who aren't quite familiar with your story, I was wondering if you could share how you got into yoga, how your yoga journey started. I think it started a long time ago before I was actually exposed to it. There was always an interest beyond things that I was exposed to. So growing up, I grew up in an environment that at times it was violent, it was played with drugs, it was played with people who have really poor relationships. And in the environment I was in, I've always thought about things outside of the world I was in. Like, I mean, I know there's something different that we are not experiencing under these conditions. And that led me to just really pay attention to myself and saying, sometimes we travel by way of a bicycle or a car or uh, a different kind of vehicle to get us somewhere. But at an early age, I knew that there was a vehicle inside of myself, and that was my mind. And I used to watch a lot of uh, martial arts movies growing up, so the John Clark and Dan, the Bruce Lee's, people who really um, took their physical application to the next level, and they really utilized their mind to do so. So that was how they traveled. And for me, I used to sit and just watch and just imitate what I would see 
on the television and I would get away from the environment mentally. And I think that was the seed that was planted as I was a kid. And I started growing up with those uh, visions to just see outside of the condition that I was in. And as I got older, I was looking for a Bruce Lee conditioning tape. And I was like, I'm about to take this martial arts thing serious. I never had a class at that time. I didn't have anyone pushing me into martial arts or exposing me to that lifestyle. But when I had just graduated high school, I was like, I want to take this serious. I want to really get into uh, the training aspect of martial arts. So I went to a blockbuster looking for a VHS, looking for a, a Bruce Lee videotape. And at the time, they didn't have any. And there was a lady who came up to me. She says, yeah, I don't know if we have anything like that. I actually have never seen anything like that in the store, but we do have this yoga video. And it's kind of like martial arts. So if you're interested, you should uh, buy it. It's on sale. It's only like $5. It was a VHS. And I was like, um, yeah, I don't know about the yoga thing. Uh, but anyway, I decided to buy it and took it home, put it in a VCR. And I started practicing. It was an hour and a half. And I remember it being so challenging. I was like, man, because I have a background playing sports. I played football, I played basketball. And I, I was in pretty good shape. But when I got on my mat and I started shaking and I was sweating, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this stuff is powerful. And, and then I fell in love with it at that point. And I started practicing every single day. I was working at a health club at the time. And on my breaks, I would practice what I learned on a video. And there was uh, people who would watch me during my breaks. I'm like, oh man, you over there, what you practicing? And there was one guy who came up and says, um, do you mind if I join you? And I'm like, man, I got these videotapes at the house. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about this stuff. And he's like, if you don't mind, you look like you know what you're doing to me. I would love to join you and just learn from you. And I was like, all right, man, I told you, I don't really know too much about it. So then we started practicing on my breaks and we did this every day as well. And then other people seen and they started joining in. So we started forming a class without actually having a class, official class. One day my supervisor had came up and she was saying, you know, you can actually get paid to teach what you're doing right now. So if you're interested, you should go get certified and come back and we'll give you a class. And then that's actually what happened. So I was never really looking to uh, become an instructor. It kind of organically happened just from my interest in mental and physical cultivation, which now is classified as yoga. But I think it's so much beyond what people use in their everyday labels to describe what it is. I think it's in many different modalities. It's really just overcoming the war with ourselves. Because I think all of us are born into this life and we are faced with so much that we can't prepare for because we don't even know what's coming our way. But mentally, I think yoga and martial arts and many other modalities help us prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. And that's how I got started in the practice. I like how your practice is very organic when it built up from there. And I think the thing that was very interesting in your story was how you were practicing and someone saw you practicing. Someone saw something in you and said, hey, you look like you know what you're doing. Can I join you? And it really just grew. And I think that's very powerful. A lot of times when people see things in us that we don't always see, it just takes one person to say, hey, you, you look like you know what you're doing.
I want to get into just the creation of I'm Unique because I know that that also came about organically. I was wondering if you could share with the audience just how that just evolved and became what it is today. It's a culmination of many things. It's not just one answer to answer that question. It was a culmination through years of me teaching classes in different locations. So when I first started teaching, what I found out is a lot of people couldn't pay for the classes. And sometimes you would see people coming in who couldn't afford and they would sneak in the back. And I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> there was a lot of people who were at the job like, oh, you can't be sneaking in. They have to pay. You can't be just letting people come in. And I'm like, why not? This is why this establishment is here is for people's well-being, for people's health. So let's let them uh, practice and not take the burden of not being paid for it. And outside of that, I started creating classes in parks and different venues. And people showed up. People were really interested. Even if they didn't have the money, they had the interest. And that's one thing that really attracted me to doing the work is people who are interested but may not have the means to do so. So often people are ostracized and left out of the health and wellness equation because they don't have the financial assistance to do so. Or sometimes they just don't have the interest or they don't have the motivation. And when you have someone who has both, I think it's really important. It's imperative to create platforms for them to experience self-improvement. So I started having classes in parks and different venues and people showed up and we started having conversations and through the years, I just continued to partner with different organizations and continue to do the work. And people always wanted to know when was the next mm-hmm. event, when was the next class. And it's like, okay, let's make this organized so we can continue the work and the service that we're providing for the community. And then when you look at it from a nonprofit standpoint, a lot of times there's a certain blueprint you're supposed to follow. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And I was talking to different organizations on vision. And at the time, people didn't really see the vision. And that was the impetus for the name I'm Unique. It wasn't really about saying I'm unique. It's saying that the mission and the vision and the work that's going to be done is unique in addition to the people who show up are unique as well because everyone has their own lived experience. Everyone has been through what they've been through on their own and we come together as a collective to do the work. So I'm unique is multifaceted. It it has many different definitions and it's really to address the plight and the conditions that we're in. Oftentimes people are just in situations where they feel oppressed and in survival mode and they're more susceptible to operating from uh, a nature solely based on survival. And if we create an organization that, creates culture around health, that's where I feel that the change will really come. And oftentimes when we first got started, people and foundations were saying, well, who's your demographic? Who do you service? And um, what is your goal in mind? Everybody is our population. So that can't be the right answer Mm -hmm. because you have to have a specific demographic to get funding, to get support. And for me, I felt like when you service people, you service everybody, you service the community, you service the health and wellness of us all. And I thought it was critically important to have a very diverse group of people coming together. Some people say, well, you know, I don't want to be around this group of people or that group of people. And then I would ask the question, have you ever been on an airplane or have you ever went to the grocery store where people didn't look like you or you see the social conflicts that we have in society? 
They would say, yes, I did. And then I say, does everyone look like you when you get on the airplane? They say, no. And then when you go to the grocery store, same question. Does everyone look like you? They say, no. Well, have you ever seen a conflict in those places? And they say, yes. Well, then we have to create a culture wherever you are to be able to plant seeds in people who may be able to influence or alter your life. So let's focus on community and what real community is, is a very collective group of people that live in the same environment and are trying to accomplish the same goal, which is the quality of life. And that's one thing that we stood on. And early on, we didn't get a lot of support by that mission. People were saying that's not something that we would support. And what we found is, you know, people said we want to focus on the underprivileged or what they classified as the at-risk. That's never the language I supported or used. I think it's very oppressive. But we did work in different environments where people had those titles. And one thing that I found is when we brought people who had resources and people who didn't have resources, those who didn't have resources built relationships with those who did. And they were getting jobs, they were getting employment, and they were doing many different things that we thought was going to happen early on. And once we started finding success in that, then people started saying, okay, now I see why this is important. And it was beyond the asana practice, which is the physical application of yoga. They were saying that community was being built and resources were being reallocated due to exposure of different individuals within the different environments. And that's when we talk about, so the mission of Aminika is to create a culture of health, individual growth, and social change. So that's one thing that we did, and that's one thing that we still stand on today is really building culture because culture is the only thing that's truly sustainable. Oftentimes, when we think about, you know, what's your sustainable model? So we talk about the foundation of Amini is this mission to create a culture of health, individual growth, and social change. So we put ourselves out of business by creating a culture that can sustain itself, not by a program, but by the way we live every single day. And that's where we feel like it's going to create most of the changes by how we show up in the world every single day. I like where you said when you first started and you had the vision, other people couldn't see the vision. And you just kept working at it and building it and making this into something where people could finally see what's possible, just how it evolved and, and just grew and, and continues to grow into the community that it is. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about the poetic flow and reassigning energy. So previously on the podcast, we've talked about the mind and body connection, and we've touched on how the mind and body and, and spirit are all intertwined, how they're all interconnected. And, and, and I've shared uh, different practices that can help strengthen that connection between the mind and body. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about reassigning energy and poetic flow, and if we could dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, thank you. So the poetic flow is predicated on nature. It's based off of the human body. It's based off of what we see in our environment. Think about the human body, we have a digestive system, a reproductive system, a skeletal system, a muscular system, cardiovascular system. We have all these systems that must work harmoniously for our body to function at its highest level. In the moment one of those systems are compromised, the entire body is compromised. So we must learn how to create a system for our life to be able to move effect effectively and efficiently 
And that's really what the poetic flow is based off of. So the opening statement of the poetic flow is, the aim of this movement is to cultivate a sound mind and a sound body and a harmonious relationship with nature. So if you can create a sound mind and a sound body and a harmonious relationship with nature, you're going to move differently through the world. And the way that you create a sound mind is by reassigning energy. And first, that translates into being re-educated because our education system teaches us a lot of toxic behavior that we have to heal from. It's said that the average adult is recovering from their childhood. Everybody is experiencing some major trauma, some pain that they're still recovering from. And we must learn how to reassign the energy. So we're dealing with neuroplasticity and making new echoes and new patterns in our brain to be able to experience something new. So we're not re-traumatized by our past experiences in our tomorrows. So those are the things that you find in this idea of reassigning energy. There's a lot of toxic behavior that we learn along the way, whether it be from movies or just in our environment, in our school setting, socially, the bullying, the, the, the words that we use against each other. There's so many different things that can just really tear the spirit out of a person. So being able to reassign the energy is critically important for health and wellness. And what that looks like is if you're angry, one thing that Einstein used to talk about is energy does not die. And since energy doesn't die, I feel that it must be reassigned and repurposed to do things that can benefit you. So when I was in middle school, one thing that I used to see all the young men and young women do when they got mad is they would punch lockers. And they would just, ah, why, why are all the kids punching lockers? And then you say, oh, we see it on TV. This is a conditioned response. This is what we think we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to respond to things not going our way. And that's what we must learn to reassign the energy. So now you no longer punch a locker. You purpose that energy into something that's going to be beneficial to you. And you write about it and maybe turn that anger into a book. Or you're in a bad relationship. You write about it. You turn it into something that works in your favor. Or you go clean the house. or you do something that's very productive to be able to say, I'm going to use this energy, I'm going to harness this energy and turn it into something that's going to improve my overall life. And those are the things that reassigning energy is all about. So it's not saying that we're going to be able to you know, live a stress-free life and everything's going to be perfect. It's saying that there's going to be hard times in this life and it's never going to stop and it's going to, to, it's going to attack us from all different angles. And it's our job to figure out what we can do to reassign it, to repurpose it and make it work for our favorite, allow it to be our testimony and we begin to share our story with others so they too can overcome uh, their lived experience and improve the overall condition. So that's what, that's what reassigning energy is all about. And poetic flow, again, is based off of nature. And when we talk about nature, you hear sometimes people say, oh, I'm a tree hugger. I love nature. I love it. And... And one thing that we have to realize is when we talk about nature is it's it has hurricanes and it has tornadoes and it has earthquakes and tsunamis. And I always ask, do you love that aspect as well? And then the people, oh, not really, not that aspect. Just the sun, side, the sun rises and the sun sets in the oceans. Well, that, that means that we don't want to be balanced. And I think the harmony, to be in harmony with nature is to say that these two things, these happen as well. And there are going to be tsunamis in our life, not physically, it's not a tsunami, but mentally. And in our lived experience, we've experienced tsunamis 
So being in balance and being in harmony with the things that happen take place in life. Everyone's going to have hurdles, obstacles, and things that have to go through. But I think understanding that firsthand, that we can go through these things and we learn how to build a system to support ourselves along the way, it's going to help us overcome a lot of our hardships. And I'll say a little bit just for the listeners, I could break it down at the beginning of it is the aim of this movement is to cultivate a sound mind and a sound body in a harmonious relationship with nature. We are connected to a collective awakening of self-discovery and mastery. Movement is medicine. We calculate our movements by our daily regimens. We stand on the shoulder of our ancestors and continue the path towards harmony. We reach for the ascendant knowledge above us and honor the knowledge within. We embody the strength of a mountain. Make no mistake, we are warriors too. We reverse our path back to harmony. We extend ourselves to peace. We rise like an eagle, peaceful and free. We can only see half the moon, but like Jiva, this is the immortal essence of living. We reassign our energy and bow to a better me. The same way we come in is the same way we come out, yet something's different physically, spiritually, mentally, and that is me. We experience life between the earth and the sky. We bend and we fold and we unfold to reveal our truth because it's written from within. And no matter what we go through in life, we will rise and rise again. So that's the, the beginning uh, of the poetic flow there. Yeah, and just breaking that down off when you think about asana, and I talked about it being based off of nature. So there's a lot more to it. There's another portion of the the poetic flow where it says, "I embody the strength. I embody a cobra, and I am still aware of its venom." And oftentimes, when we are embodying what we see in nature, that's really what yoga, the asana practice, is about. Is about embodying things that we see in nature. You have a tree pose. You have a cat. You have a cow. You have a downward dog. So you look into nature and you observe and you learn from nature and then you apply that to yourself. And you look at a tree and you stand tall, strong, and you rise and you feed off of the sun. So it really deals with everything that the person has to go through, nothing separated, everything being connected, and understanding how you can be serviced by the planet you live on and how you must be mindful of things that don't belong to you but they belong to a different element within the earth. And that's really what the poetic flow is about. It's about teaching you your, your place on this planet and seeing where you can contribute and how you can be in harmony with the world that you live on and how you can be in harmony with yourself and how to regain your own mind because they've done a really good job mixing us up and messing us up mentally. And it's up to us to do the work, to overcome a lot of the conditions that we had to go through growing up in this world. Thank you for that breakdown. I like how you emphasized our connection. And I believe it is a huge part of I'm Unique as an organization is our connection to one another. So I want to ask you about how I'm Unique is continuing to keep that connection and and community during everything that's going on right now. Because normally you will have sessions where you can 
all be together. So I'm just curious to know how you all are continuing to stay connected to one another and the community with everything that's going on. It's a really good question, a really important question. Early on, what we were doing is just getting as much gear as we can and helping as much people as we can equip themselves for what was to come. Making sure they had enough food, making sure they had gloves, masks, and all the PPE gear that one may need going through a pandemic. It's not something that I've experienced before personally, but we were definitely prepping for it and trying to do the best that we could to make sure that people weren't left uh, without. And things that we're doing now, I think technology is our friend. We've been able to reach people across the world in a way that we never had before with a lot of Zooms and just these conference call platforms that um, are available to us to have conversations and to also address the racial disparities. So often it gets left out of the conversation of health. Racial issues have always been a major health disparity. People go to work and they feel ostracized and they feel like they're the only one and they feel constantly under attack by microaggressions and people who purposefully do these things. And we can't say it because if you speak up, you may lose your job. And that's something that you have to swallow in on a cellular level. It begins to live within you and it clears out the peace that's within you and it takes vacancy inside of your body and it occupies the space within you, creating stress, creating some of the health disparities that we see in so many Black women, Black people in general. And those are the things that we've been addressing very consistently around what health and wellness is. It's so much broader than exercise and healthy eating, but our social relationships are so important. And that's why early on we focused on everybody, because we know that some people, sometimes let's say if a Black person goes into an environment and they're the only one there, like the stress that comes along with that is overwhelming and being able to share that with people who don't look like them and talk about some of the challenges that come along with walking into spaces with people who cannot relate to you is critically important to just servicing the person who has to walk in there by themselves. So trying to create a better environment for people who have to walk in those spaces by working with people who are used to those spaces and people who never even thought about what it is for people who have to walk in those spaces alone. So having conversations around uh, police brutality, police relations, um, so many different things around the issues that are really plaguing our country, plaguing our world. We were in a conversation a couple of weeks ago with folks from South Africa, and they said, we're watching America right now. And one thing that we want to tell you is that we removed all of our statues and we did everything that you're doing right now. And we're still in the same situation. We're still plagued with the racial disparities and then I was in a conversation last week with a young lady from Kenya. She said, you know, out in Kenya, we're about 99% Black, and we still face police brutality as well. So now we're talking about something that is a lot deeper than race. It's about power, and it's about privilege, and it's about who has the ability to, who has the power to say who should matter and who shouldn't. So it's so complex, but those are the conversations that we've been having across the globe. And really just saying it's time to create something new. This system is not working for the masses. And we're fighting over things that people have died and fought for years ago. And it continues to repeat itself. And it's time to do something that we've never seen before. And that's some of the things that we've been working on is having conversations and continuing to build new systems 
within a system that's no longer serving us. Yeah, on the on the podcast, we've talked about intellectual wellness and just having discussions and conversations with people from all different backgrounds. So people that offer different perspectives and we are connected in that way and and we can learn and grow from one another. So I appreciate that you all are still having these conversations and not just um, locally, but also internationally. And so that's very powerful. So to still go along with the conversations that you're having, I know this upcoming weekend, you are hosting an event called What Happens Next? And it's going to be conversations and music and things like that. So I was wondering if you could just share with the audience more about that, what to expect and how they can get involved. Yeah. So what happens next is addressing everything that's going on right now. We have we have people protesting across the world. We've been through so much as a people. Been through, think about the inception of this country. It was founded on oppression. And that oppression has never left us. That oppression has been here since day one. And what happens next is saying, are we going to continue to allow this to happen? And what are we going to do? So it's an open-ended question for anyone to answer. We don't have the answer to that question. We feel like it's going to be, it's going to take a collective effort to answer that question. And we're not going to have a plateau. We're saying we've arrived to where we need to be. It's going to be a continuous effort. It's going to require everyone to play their part until they no longer have breath in the body to create a more sane and humane society. So what happens next is based off of voice and it is going to address the plight of Black people and other people who feel the burden of oppression. And we're going to work with people from all walks of life, no matter what you look like, to be able to design and give voice to the concerns that we all have and be able to, to answer those questions for ourselves in our, within our reach, like what happens next. So it's going to be based off of music, to create healing. It's going to be based off of poetry to create healing. It's going to be based off of storytelling to allow people to tell their stories to create healing. And to have a panel discussion to provide resources and information that people may not be privy to. And then at the end, the culmination of that entire experience is going to be a celebratory offering and with more music and more things that people can do to plug into the work and to really create more platforms for healing. Healing is not a one-day thing. It's not a retreat thing. It's something that must take place day in and day out. We don't just say, okay, I healed myself because I went to a retreat or I had this smoothie or I went on vacation. Like Healing is a daily process. You have to heal from so much every single day. And being able to remind yourself and get those tools to be able to get into a more peaceful state of mind every single day is, is, is important, like using a restroom, like eating a meal. Those are things that we have to continue to keep doing to be in a better state of mind based off of everything that we're faced with every single day. So what happens next is an event that's an ongoing experience. It's an ongoing mission. It's an ongoing movement that doesn't just stop with that one particular day. We're moving forward, bringing in different specialists that can provide resources. So at the end of the conversation, we're also going to provide uh, live therapists to be able to deal with stress and the racial trauma that people 
have experience but don't get those kind of services. So now they can plug in to someone who is a therapist and can really focus on race-based trauma. And a lot of therapists don't have that. They don't have those, they're not credentialed in that area. And there's a lot of people who are left out of the field of mental health and wellness because they don't have the providers to be able to provide the service. And now we have that. We have people who specialize in that arena to be able to help people navigate through traumas of stress and racial disparities. And this is one of the first times we've seen something like that. So we're not going to leave everyone heavy. Oftentimes you leave some of these conversations heavy to unpack it at home by yourself. And it's even more overwhelming. And sometimes you need other people to help unpack what you just heard and to be able to help you along your way. So we created an experience to where it's not just a conversation, but it's very action-based. And we want to provide people with resources with things that can improve their overall um, quality of life. I love how this event is a holistic thing. I like that you mentioned there will be discussions, but there will also be music and there will be poetry and therapy, especially bringing on board therapists who specialize in race-based trauma. I think it will be an amazing introduction for some people who may have never had the opportunity to work with a therapist. And if they have, they may not have had the opportunity to work with a therapist who is experienced in race-based trauma. It's a beautiful thing. I'm excited to see it all come together. Tell us how our audience, how our listeners can get involved, how they can tune in to the event. So they can go to our website, which is imunique.org, and you can register online. It's free. It's available for anyone who wants to come to, to listen, to learn, to experience it for themselves. So that's something that they can do to, to, to get involved. And we also have an opening. The opening for the event, we're bringing in all of our elders. So during COVID, when COVID hit, one thing that I seen that really broke me up inside is I've seen a lot of comments that people were making saying things like, oh, it's only going to affect our elders, so there's nothing to worry about. And when I think of our elders, I think of libraries being lost. I think of history being lost, and people were okay with that. So what we're going to do is honor our elders, and we're going to listen to their stories as well as we do this work, realizing that they're all interconnected. It's not the youth doing the work now. They've done the work before us, and we stand on their shoulders to continue the work that they were doing. And we are doing this because they were doing this before we were even born. And that's one thing that we have to remember. So that's one thing that we're doing is honoring our elders by providing their voice and uplifting them and making sure that people know how important our elders are. We need to uplift our elders every single day because when they leave, those stories and those libraries are gone Mm -hmm. forever. So we're doing all that we can to archive the information to be able to make sure that their, their stories live on. And we have Miss Carlotta Walls Lanier of Little Rock Nine. We had a beautiful interview with her yesterday. She's going to be a part of the event. And she just really walked us through what her experience was like going to school and integrating schools for the country, like what she did for America after Brown versus Board. It was extremely powerful to hear some of the things that she had to go through and seeing what she had to overcome and continues to do the work today and really 
puts education first. And I think that's one thing that we should focus on as well as we do this work is education. But what kind of education is really important because we've pushed education for a really long time. But I think it's now important. It's even more important to say, what are we learning? Are we learning how to take care of ourselves? Are we learning financial literacy? Are we learning how to eat? Are we learning you know, how to be in relationship? One of the biggest problems that we have in our society is we don't know how to communicate and learning how to communicate effectively. So one thing you talked about earlier is you focus on different pockets. And, and we love that you're saying that because we agree with We think it's all interconnected from financial literacy, from relationships to our health and wellness. Health and wellness is complete health is everything. There's not one thing that's separated. When you look back into the human body, all those systems must be congruent and they must work in harmony. And that's the way we should be living our lives every single day and not have different pockets and silos and saying this is important on this day, this is important here. It's always important. This is continuous effort. So we're building in this experience, all of that. So we're going to be addressing all the things that compromise our health and all the things that improve our health so we can improve our overall quality of life. All right. Thank you so much for that. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience and and also share how our audience can connect with you? I just want to thank you again for allowing me to be on this show. This is an amazing platform. I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. Like I said earlier, this needs to be a conversation that we're in all the time. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how you grow into improving the lives of Black women. The way people can connect with me is, you know, one of the things, like I said earlier, is Aminique.org. One of our team members runs our IG account, and it's Aminique United. And Facebook, Aminique, the Illustrating Wellness Tour, you can connect with us there as well. And those are some of the ways that people can connect. They want to volunteer, they want to get involved, have some of these conversations, uh, have us come in and help facilitate or are looking for resources to be able to do their own program. One thing we love to do is support people who don't work and whatever we can do to support someone to continue their efforts, we love that as well. So those are some of the ways that people can get involved with this. All right, excellent. And so, of course, I'm going to leave links in the show notes to all of your platforms, your website, and how people can sign up for what happens next. Um, So people can also navigate to www.wellnessforblackgirls.com backslash episodes backslash 10 for show notes to the episode and also links to I'm Unique. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. So there you have it, our very first interview for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Tyrone's story and I'm Unique and all of the great work that they're doing. Be sure to head to wellnessforblackgirls.com and navigate to episode 10 for the show notes. I've included links to help you connect with the I'm Unique community and sign up for the free What Happens Next online event. Also, I was recently a guest on the Healthy Living with Uday podcast. During the interview, we discussed the mind-body connection and ways to strengthen it. So I've also included a link to that episode. Please give it a listen and show Uday some love. She was a gracious host. And if you want to keep up 
with this podcast on social media, follow on Instagram at Wellness for Black Girls and follow my personal IG page at Tarion Yael. And be sure to sign up to receive your free copy of the Easing Anxiety Quick Guide. And let me know if you found any of the mind-body techniques helpful. And together, we'll continue moving through the dimensions of wellness. Wellness.